Broadcasting from London, Ontario, Canada to the rest of the world, it's Ask the Top. I'm Chris Toplack, and this is Ask the Top. I appreciate your ongoing support. And in fact, episode 27, which was produced and uploaded about two weeks ago, was one of the highest rated to date. And without you, that would not be possible because you shared it on your social media channels. Most importantly, you tuned in. So keep doing that, and I'll keep appreciating it. On this edition of the program, my early thoughts on WWE 2K18. I purchased it, uh, actually on pre-order, to get Kurt Angle for PlayStation 4. So I've played with that. Let me know if you picked up a copy of it. I want to know your thoughts. I'll share mine. The wellness policy, the status of Nia Jax along with Neville, WrestleMania 34, and my predictions for WWE TLC this coming Sunday. Yet another pay-per-view. If you want to interact with me, I'm easy to find all over social media. Ask the Top is my Facebook fan page, at Chris Tomplack on Twitter, where I am my most active. If you love photos of food, look no further than my Instagram account, at Chris Tomplack, at Chris Tomplack on Google+, and of course, ChrisTomplack.com. I think that's enough of Chris Tomplack. TWM.news and TheReactionRoom.com. If you're listening to this program on one of those websites, thank you. They're great partners. They're huge advocates for the show. And also without them, this would not be possible. So, before we dive into some news, some rumors, some updates, some predictions, and of course your questions, let's talk about my first impression of WWE 2K18 because you can only make one first impression. So let me provide you with my initial thoughts. I'll talk about the pros and the cons and also my verdict. So I'll put this into perspective. I have purchased every single WWE 2K game. I thought 14 was fine, mostly because they took over from the previous production company. So there weren't exactly a lot of changes. 2K15 was probably the worst edition of it. 16 wasn't bad. It was a slight improvement. Same with 17. Is 18 the best of the franchise? I'll get to that in just a second, but let's talk about my pros and cons. WWE 2K18 features arguably the best graphics in any wrestling video game to date. It's visually stunning. There is no doubt about that. You can hate the game, but again, from a visual standpoint, very impressive. It's nice to see eight-person matches back. Long overdue. They were doing this years and years ago. So the fact that it kind of fell away was mind-boggling to me. They brought it back. Not necessarily lagging issues, but it can get slow at times. The creation suite is incredibly detailed. I've spent the majority of my time creating players. And the reason why, or creating wrestlers, I should say. So the reason why is because I love the attention to detail. Uh, it can go all the way from various you know, hairstyles to graphics to you know, the attire. But then most importantly, when it gets to titles in the arena... Man, it gets really in-depth there. So I think you would appreciate that if you're somebody like myself who loves the creation suite uh, design and the element to these games. The gameplay has improved, but only slightly. Now my cons. I always go here first. The commentary remains robotic and uninspired. They need them in like a natural format because sitting there scripted just doesn't work at all. Long loading screens. I have long complained about this for years. They have not fixed that. The 2K series 
hasn't shaken off the glitches. There's various YouTube videos. I've actually shared some on my social media channels. And they're hilarious, but they're so bad. Specifically when props are involved. Really need to dig into this further. And aside from the new interface, it doesn't really feel that different from WWE 2K17. Different wrestlers, different interface, few matches here and there. The creation suite is deeper, and of course the graphics are improved. But aside from that, nothing groundbreaking. Now, if you stop by a website such as Metacritic.com, uh, which basically counts the scores of critics and also users. Critics gave it about 72. That's what it's sitting at, and that's a mix between both spectrums, both the good, the bad, and the ugly. And also, the user score is on average about a 7.6, which is basically in between where I would rate this. I would give this a B. Not necessarily a B+, plus, but about a B. A 7.5 is where I'm probably sitting at my max in terms of my comfort level. So if this is your first time diving into the series, I think you'll appreciate this addition to the franchise. If you've been following it along like myself and you're debating, should I buy it, should I not? It really depends on what you're looking for. If you want to improve graphics, some more wrestlers, a few new matches, a more in-depth creative suite or creation suite, I should say, then it's fine, right? Then maybe it suits your needs. But that being said, if you're hoping for something groundbreaking, that's not going to happen and probably not going to happen anytime soon, even though they desperately need to make that dive, right? So overall, I would recommend it. Over 2K17, not necessarily. I just played that about a week ago, and I can tell you that the differences are not vast. So yes, I recommend it, but it depends on where you sit in terms of do you already own a game in the franchise or do you not? So a 7.5. I, and I'm not going to be generous about it. I think that's fair. So that actually sits in between what the critics were saying, what the users are saying as well, too. If you own the game and you have your own experiences, let me know all over social media. I want to know what you think about the game. So as we move ahead, let's talk about some news. This one was very interesting. Retired bodybuilder Dave Palumbo, no relation to Chuck Palumbo, recently appeared on the Matt Riviera show, I believe that's the name of it, where he discussed how WWE talents get into such great shape. Now, keep in mind, he has worked with Triple H in the past. I think he got him ready for WrestleMania 33, if I believe. There, in brackets, WWE talents allowed to take hormone replacement. They can go to an HRT place and get testosterone replacement, 100 milligrams a week, whatever they prescribe nowadays. Those are acceptable. A lot of the wrestlers do it. It's not for me to say who's using what, but they're very minimal doses. Now, the WWE jumped on this immediately. They've released a statement combating these claims. WWE's comprehensive talent wellness policy, which is administered by an independent third party, clearly states HGH and HCG are among a long list of banned substances along, or however it should say, due to certain medical conditions, there are a variety of therapeutic exemptions that account for approximately 7% of our contracted talents. So, what that means is that if their testosterone, for example, is drastically low, they may be prescribed smaller doses of HGH, which is known as hormone replacement, right? So that could be it, or testosterone replacement, which is TRT, which again, in small doses, was actually legal in the UFC, which was very mind-boggling. Now, there's a debate online, because when it comes to the UFC, it makes sense. Some could consider it a performance-enhancing drug, even though it might be a necessary one and it's not steroids. But when it comes to the WWE, does it give you an advantage, especially when, essentially, this is 
scripted programming. I'm not going to say fake, but it's scripted programming, right? Does that give them an advantage? Do you agree with it? Do you disagree with it? I don't have a huge problem with it, but let me know your thoughts all over social media. It was reported by Pro Wrestling Sheet that Nia Jax has been granted a leave of absence for personal reasons by the WWE. Nothing else has really been disclosed. There were rumors flying around that she actually walked out similar to Neville. That is unfounded untrue. Speaking of Neville, SI.com, Spurs Illustrated, is reporting that Neville has been miserable since January and is displeased with the direction of his character, a lack of payoffs, along with the travel schedule. He actually did walk out, but now they're negotiating his release. That's what they're saying. Sounds like a similar situation to Austin Aries, who had the same complaints. He didn't like where his character was going. The lack of payoffs didn't help, specifically WrestleMania 33. Remember, Neville and Austin Aries faced each other. A lot of the wrestlers received bonuses and royalties. It sounds as though they did not, which is very unfortunate. So aside from that, of course, the travel schedule is hectic. And while it has been substantially cut down from what was going on, say, know, two decades ago or even a decade ago, still, what, 250 dates a year? Traveling? It's a lot. Highlights from the week, Kane's return. Whether you loved it or hated it, it was effective and it was handled very well. I was just reading recently that it was actually kept secret to everyone because they did not want a spoiler to be leaked. And honestly, I didn't see that one coming. Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose versus Sheamus and Cesaro for the Raw tag titles. Really dug that match. How about the Shield's vintage attire, theme music, and entrance? It might not last long, but let's enjoy it while it lasts. The opening segment with Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan. Sami Zayn has done a complete 180 with his character. He's obnoxious. He's smug now. He's bashing the fans saying it is their fault. And also when it comes to Daniel Bryan, he's really knocking him as well too. Saying, well, you know, I can wrestle, and unfortunately, well, you can't anymore. So kind of opening the wounds there with Daniel Bryan. I thought that he's doing an excellent job in this new smug role as Kevin Owens' best friend. Hopefully, they really keep pushing this forward. Shinsuke Nakamura and Randy Orton take it on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I thought that was another great match from the week. So because NXT is taking place this evening, I can't really say much about that. I thought 205 Live, unfortunately, was another miss this week. They really need to get in gear in in a hurry. Let's get to your questions. That's what makes this show important, is you asking questions, me answering them. And remember, it's not just necessarily a detailed question. You just want me to discuss a topic, I'm happy to do so. At Chris Toplack on Twitter, Facebook, fan page, anywhere you want to ask me, and we'll do it here. A lot of them come from Google Plus as well. JJ via Twitter, what are your thoughts on Neville walking out on the WWE? Good move or not? So, talked about it earlier. Unless you're walking in Neville's shoes, it's difficult to say whether he was right or wrong to walk out. The more professional approach would be to respectfully ask for your release and then move on. Abruptly walking away only burns bridges. Probably not the best move. With that being said, the independent scene is currently thriving, and he has the opportunity to main event virtually any card he's featured on, and I would imagine collect a reputable paycheck as well. So I think that it could be a good refresher for his career, similar to what Cody Rhodes is doing, who's arguably one of the most popular wrestlers, maybe the most popular wrestler outside of the WWE at the moment. Matt underscore DCAT underscore G via Google, Google Plus. Uh, I got some questions. He has a couple here. It's a about three in total. Why the hell did Kane interfere 
in the steel cage match between Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman. What is his reason to cause the Big Dog to lose to the Monster Among Men and make the match between The Shield and Team Miz 5-on-3? Not only am I confused, I am pissed off. Matt is not a happy camper with Kane returning. Kane interfered to stack the odds against The Shield. Make no mistake about it. That's the main reason why. I'm guessing the explanation, even though we haven't received one because TLC's this Sunday, is that Roman Reigns retired his brother, The Undertaker, at WrestleMania. That could make sense from a logistics standpoint. Who knows for sure? The five-on-three advantage is for The Shield to overcome the odds yet again and emerge victorious. So that's why they did it. I wasn't thrilled by it, right? I mean, Kane is running for mayor of Knox County in Tennessee. Glenn Jacobs, his real name. Kind of seems strange that he's putting that on hold for the moment to come back for this match. How long will it last? I'm not sure. Also, he's about 50 years old. He might even be over that. A little bit out of shape. A little bit over the hill at this point. While he's been a constant, while he's been steady, and I talked about him on a previous edition of the program, I could have done without him returning. I really feel he could have walked away into the sunset. WWE Soldier via Google+. Plus. I like this one. Will you be attending WrestleMania 34? Should note, at this point, tickets go on sale November the 17th, which happens to be Survivor Series weekend. I would love to go to WrestleMania 34. The main issue is the fact that it's price. Now, some will say, well, Chris, it ranges from like $35 in price to you know a couple grand or even beyond that. But the fact of the matter is, you have to fly down there. You have to find accommodations. And if you're going to go down for WrestleMania, you got to go down for at least the week or a half a week to really enjoy all the festivities and all the events that are going on surrounding the event, including the Hall of Fame as well. So I would love to go, but I have other priorities at the moment. Obviously, you know, work is a priority. Family is a priority. Voiceover work on the side is a priority. I would love to go. But quite frankly, even dragging me away like I went to uh, Traverse City recently, it's not easy to do. And I did that one day off and over a weekend. I'm weird about getting away because I feel as though I'm missing too much. It's that FOMO, fear of missing out, I suppose. So I, I would love to go to a WrestleMania. Price and just timing are both main issues. If it was something that was somewhat nearby where I didn't have to worry about you know, paying for plane tickets and I could just drive there, maybe I would do it. So if it was in... You know, this region, and I'm I'm in Ontario, Canada. So let's say Toronto, let's say even Michigan or Pennsylvania, or, or perhaps even the state of New York. I could try and pull that off. But overall, price is always an issue, but I would still love to go. So if you're going to offer me a ticket, WWE Soldier, I'm happy to accept. Predictions you can take to the bank. WWE TLC, which stands for Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, takes place this coming Sunday, October the 22nd from the Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's the ninth event under the TLC name. Let's see if you agree or disagree with these predictions. I'm either on one side of the spectrum or the other. I'm like 90% accurate and other times about 30% accurate. So it balances out in the end. I don't know about you, but it feels as though this event has really come together overnight. Two weeks ago, there was, what, a couple of matches announced, and all of a sudden, we have many more. But are you interested in them? Will you watch this on the WWE Network? Sasha Banks versus Alicia Fox kicks off the event on the pre-show. Now, this all transpired because Sasha Banks was getting the one up. Forced Alicia Fox to tap out on Raw, 
cleanly, I may add. Alicia Fox freaking out, attacks the boss backstage, which leads to this match. A bit of a rehash prediction. Sasha Banks, because where else is Alicia Fox going to go? They make the claim, and it's true that she's been around for the past decade, but my question would be, what has she done? Not very much, unless they want to push her. Who knows? The Brian Kendrick and Jack Gallagher take it on Cedric Alexander and Rich Swan. Can I just add, why is Jack Gallagher wrestling in a vest, in pants, in a dress shirt? That has to be hot as hell and exhausting. Anyway, my prediction, Cedric Alexander and Rich Swan to emerge victorious. I am so looking forward to this one, even though Emma is not going to survive. Asuka, the Empress of Tomorrow. In my opinion, the face of NXT taking on, well, Emma, who earned the right to be dismantled, destroyed, picked apart, and perhaps buried by Asuka. I don't mean buried from a talent perspective, literally buried in the ground because Asuka is going to kill you. And of course, my prediction, Asuka will run through Emma. She's probably going to run through the entire Raw Women's Division. In any division for that matter, because Asuka's that great. Kalisto versus Enzo Amore for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, I don't want to make this prediction, but I see Enzo recapturing the championship, which I certainly hope does not happen, but I could see them going in that direction. The Demon, Finn Balor taking on Sister Abigail Bray Wyatt. I can't even announce this match with a straight face. This is killing both. I mean, Bray Wyatt has already been struggling. That's no surprise. But Finn Balor, I mean, his stock is taking a massive hit due to this feud as well, too. So let's just put on the brakes and stop it. This should have ended at least a couple of pay-per-views ago. Why are they dragging this out? So yes, we love seeing the demon. He'll have the orange face paint tying into Halloween. Looks cool. But Sister Abigail, it's strange. It doesn't make any sense. So I'm hoping my prediction of the demon merging victorious and moving on forever is something that happens because I don't know about you, but I'm just really tired of Bray Wyatt and how they're misusing him on a basically a criminal level every month, every year, and even down to more of a granular level every week as well, too. So it's a shame. And you hear all these rumors about different wrestlers walking out. I'm surprised Bray is sticking around. Moving along, Alexa Bliss versus Mickey James for the Raw Women's Championship. I cannot see a scenario where Mickey James because becomes the seven-time women's champion. Doesn't make much sense to me. She is here to put over Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss will likely remain champion up until Asuka absolutely destroys her. So my prediction is Alexa Bliss, and I feel very confident about that one. The Shield versus The Miz. Braun Strowman, Kane, and The Bar, which is Cesaro and Sheamus. It is a TLC match, I may add. Looking forward to this one. For that matter, every match should be a TLC TLC match. It's a TLC pay-per-view, for God's sakes. Pretty silly to name it after tables, ladders, and chairs. Same with Hell in a Cell. Every match should be a Hell in a Cell match at that point, then. That's just me. If you're going to pull off the gimmick, just stretch it across the entire card at that point. So the odds have been stacked against the Shield. I do believe 
they're going to emerge victorious. Furthermore, I do believe Elise will see the shield stick together for another month or two until they fall apart. So I've got the shield, Alexa Bliss, the demon Finn Balor, Enzo Amore, Asuka, Cedric Alexander, Rich Swan, and Sasha Banks emerging victorious. Do you agree or disagree with my predictions? Thank you for tuning in to yet another edition of Ask the Top. If you would be so kind, I don't ask you to, to pay money or subscribe or do anything like that. All I want you to do is keep tuning in every time this show is produced and uploaded. And maybe if you could be so kind, tell your friends and family and anybody else who's a pro wrestling fan to tune into the show. Because the past couple editions of the show were the highest rated we had to date. So your support matters. And without you, the show is not possible. Until the next time we do this again, happy trills to you until we meet again. <laughs>